Hey ladies, and welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am so glad you are here listening today. This is a podcast by a 20-something for 20-somethings in hopes that we can be encouraged, inspired, and challenged in this crazy time of life. So grab something refreshing and let's get going. Welcome back, and I wanted to let you know that this week's episode is going to be just a little bit different from other episodes because I got to participate in a panel on body shame talking with Jess Connolly. So instead of it being a one-on-one conversation, you're going to get to hear questions from a bunch of different podcast hosts, including yours truly, and answers from Jess Connolly. Her desire to glorify God and share what she's learned through her story is just so admirable, and I valued the time that we got to spend together and pray it is valuable to you as well. So I hope you enjoy the conversation between the different podcasts and Jess. Hope you love it, and let's get on with it. Um, We are going to start with Julie Bender from the Julie Bender Show. Yeah, I'm Julie. I'm the host of the Julie Bender Show. Um, It's a show for women who want to embrace life more boldly. I go first sharing some of my life story, God's story, really. I've had a really difficult, um, dysfunctional childhood. Then I had an unhealthy marriage. Then my husband passed away unexpectedly. And so then I was single mom in it in the Christian dating scene as a mid thirties, trying to figure all of that out. And so I kind of follow the highs and lows of my journey on my show. I like to talk a lot about marriage. I'm super passionate about healthy, godly marriage, um, encouraging other women to embrace their own stories. And I care a lot about healthy self-worth and self-image, which is why I'm here today. Mm, Love it. So good. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Julie. All right. So Julie's first question was, now that you're free, do you find less triggering body shame moments or is it that you are more prepared to handle them better? I love this question. I love this question. Okay. So that now that I feel free from, uh, from body shame as a whole, now that I know mentally that I'm free and I often feel free and I, for the most part, try to live free. Um, yeah, I still definitely get triggered. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say all day, every day, um, by media, by my own thoughts, by conversations with other people, but I'll say two things. Number one, I feel a lot more, I feel a lot more mentally prepared to fight for me. The journey has looked like this and and I would say this isn't true for everyone, but this has been true for what I've seen for a lot of people. For me, the journey to, to really feeling free has been that my mind had to change. I had to have different truth in my mind. I had to know what does God think about my body? What does, what does freedom mean? I had, my mind had to change. And then for me, a lot of my actions had to change and then my feelings started to change. (laughs) So, um, that being said, the more knowledge I have and the more wisdom and insight I have about my body and how it was created and its purpose and its worth, I find that I'm a, I'm a lot better equipped, but I also will say, you know, they, uh, some people will say like time heals all wounds. And some people will say like, time doesn't do nothing for your wounds. Like time doesn't, time doesn't do nothing, but make you more better. I would say over time, my reaction time to 
triggers of shame has gotten quicker. Like the amount of time that I spend maybe like reeling or feeling insecure or feeling defeated, it doesn't, it hasn't gone away completely, but the time has gotten a lot shorter that I'm able to respond with some truth and even maybe feeling different. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that gives hope to the listener who's like, oh, it still feels like every single interaction, I'm like back to square one. And so it's encouraging to hear that as you have more time processing these things in a healthy way, you will be more prepared to deal with it. Yeah. And I want to just speak to this really quickly to say, um, you know, this is why I love, this is why I love God. This is why I love truth. But like the more I learn, the more I, the more I like him and the more I feel loved by him. So it was a few years ago that I I was really diving into the idea of even temptation and fear and realizing, you know, feeling fear and even feeling temptation is not a sin because Jesus was tempted and he didn't sin. So, um, a lot of our feelings are not sinful. It's how we respond to them that really, that really change everything. And so I, I find women feel shame about the shame. Like they feel shame about the fact that they experience body shame. But the true thing is the fact that we feel triggered or pricked or feel like poked by body shame is a really good thing. That, that means that our soul is healthy and that this culture that we're surrounded by it should affect us. So when a woman tells me like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not worried about shame anymore. I don't feel that anymore. I'm not worried about that. That's actually when I get really concerned because I'm like, oh, you just don't feel that anymore. Um, but a healthy soul in a really unhealthy world absolutely will feel poked and prodded and, and even, um, uncomfortable and not at home because this world is not our home. It's just not safe. And so, um, I just want to free women up who feel ashamed about the shame. If you turn on the TV or you listen to a song or you have a conversation with most women about their bodies, I would say it's very good and healthy to feel burdened or broken or frustrated or heavy about what you hear. That's good. That's beautiful. All right. Thank you for that question, Julie. That was great. Um, We are going to move on to Courtney and Jen from the Enough podcast. So we are the Enough podcast. Um, We talk mostly about our identity in Christ. Um, We are extremely passionate about women's identities. Um, A lot of times in this world, we get cumbered about with all the things that we see on social media, um, what the world says that we're supposed to be like as women, as mothers, um, wives, women of Christ. Um, so we share a lot of heartfelt things that, you know, we've, we've walked through some hard journeys, both of us. Um, I'm going through my second battle of cancer right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we just, we love women. Our whole podcast is about how we've had enough about being told that we're not enough by the world. And we talk about how we are enough because Jesus is enough. Come on. Love it. I'm in. I love it. I want to listen. We're feisty over here. I'm in. I love it. At what point had you had enough of body shame? I love that question. At what point? (laughs) Sidebar, y'all. I am in my head about this answer. This is really interesting. This is like a sidebar because I was listening to a podcast this morning about origin stories and about um, if anybody's listening to the Mars Hill podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Did anybody listen to today's episode? 
about origin stories. Okay. When you listen to it, it's only 16 minutes long. When you listen to it, you're going to be like, Oh, that's why she was so stuck because it's about how like, especially leaders like tell this one story over and over and over again. And it gets larger than life. Maybe it's not true. So now I'm like, I want to say something true. What's the truest thing. Um, I'll say this. I I've told this story in the book and, um, this is, this is the truest thing for me. I do not remember what happened, but at some point about a year after I had had my fourth child so this would have been 2014, I woke up the next morning and I found a sent email in my sent folder that I had written to Elisa Keaton of uh, the founder of Revelation Wellness. And I do not remember sending the email. I do not to this day, at least, and I've talked about it. And I have said, I don't know how I got in touch with you. Like, I don't know how I knew you. I must've followed her online at some point, but I woke up and I had written an email essentially in the middle of the night, I think. And I don't remember writing it. And I had just said like, I am done and I need your help. I can't handle this anymore. But what got me there, and if I'm being honest, like what had gotten me there is I I wasn't, for me, motherhood wasn't where my body shame was wrapped up in. I felt uncomfortable about my body long before kids came on the scene. Um, to some degree, I was one of the pregnant women that like when I was pregnant, I, I like at least like I felt like, okay, I'm like, I'm, I'm supposed to look like not, not like everybody else. It's okay. So like pregnancy was not necessarily where my body shame lived, but I will say there was something about my baby, not being a baby anymore that I was starting to feel this pressure mounting on of, I, 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 my, my weight had gone up and down and I'd been on a million different kind of like crash diets and cleanses, et cetera. And I was like, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of over this. Um, but I think what was behind that point for me, honestly, was leadership that at that point in my life, I was working on my first book. I was leading in the local church. I was like beginning to step on to stages to speak the Bible. I felt so overexposed and I felt so out on a limb. And I just knew that I, I just kind of feel like I saw two paths of like, I conquer this the worldly way and I get myself together, but I maybe don't feel free or I conquer this the kingdom way and I feel free. Um, and I'll also say, um, I haven't shared this before publicly, but also what was happening in that season, I was writing wild and free the book, wild and free with my friend Haley Morgan. And the book is about freedom in Christ and essentially our God given identity as daughters. And I wrote all the wild chapters and Haley wrote all the free chapters and privately we would joke that there was no way. I mean, we, it wasn't, we weren't joking, ha ha ha, but we would say, honestly, there's no way I could write the free chapters because she just knew I was not living in freedom at the time. I was, I was living in a lot of bondage. And so people would say like, do you ever weigh in on freedom? And I'd be like, nope, uh, -uh, that's nope. That's not my area. That's what she writes about. Um, and so I think I just was done with that. I just didn't want to feel that way anymore. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's the truest answer, but yeah, I, it really, it kind of, once, once I made the mistake, uh, the good godly, mistake of emailing Elisa, I was done for like, she, she was like, I'm coming for you. We're going to get free. Um, and she was like a sweet little freedom monkey on my back that wouldn't let off me.
All right. Thank you guys for that question. Um, we are going to move on to Brianna or Brianna Wilkerson um, with More Than Your Weight podcast. Brianna, if you're on, if you'd like to say hi. Yes. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, the More Than You Wait podcast just um, it's had many different names because I've grown with it. Um, but it's all about women finding peace with food, uh, confidence in their body and realizing that their health and worth is more than just their weight. Mm. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the work I do as a health coach, but also just wanted to kind of um, share that on the podcast. And yeah, I, I stumbled upon your book because I had a past client who now is a revelation wellness instructor who posted your Instagram story on your book. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So yeah, so body shame is definitely something that a lot of my clients struggle with as well. And so I just wanted to explore with you here. So thanks so much for having me. Love that. Thank you so much for your work. So such important work. So thank you so much. Um, Brianna's question is, what is body shame and how does it impact our body image and the rest of our lives? Really good question. I'm going to give the non-clinical answer. Um, I'm, I, I am so thankful for experts. I'm so thankful for experts in this field specifically who could give a really good clinical scientific answer about what body shame is. From my human soul perspective, um, body shame is any feeling that equates to our bodies not being good. Um, so for, for women, for many women, this is like actual aesthetic. They feel shame about the aesthetic of their body, how it looks. I believe a lot of women feel shame about how their body functions and about how it experiences sickness and weakness in this world. I think that many of us, sometimes we don't even really know, um, what, how to qualify, how we don't feel good in our bodies. And so it might just be that we feel other, um, it, it might be that we feel different from people around us, either by how we look or by how our body functions. Um, but for me, if, if body truth is that God made our bodies good, even though we live under the effects of a fallen world and, and we, we can experience pain and weakness and sickness and illness in our bodies, body shame would be anything, any idea or motive or, or argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, that our bodies are good. And, and remind me the second part of that question, how does it affect everything? Yeah. So, so body shame affects everything. It affects everything. It affects everything. And and the reason why is because we live our whole lives in our bodies. And so I think that the, the quickest way to say is like how you're feeling about your body, how you're feeling in your body is going to impact everything you do in your body. It's going to impact how you love people. It's going to impact how you work. It's going to impact how you rest. It's going to impact how you play. It's going to impact how you move, how you eat, etc. But I would say at the core of what why it matters so much to me and why I want to talk to women so much about it is because I also think that it really speaks a lot to what we believe about God and what we think God believes about us, what we think he thinks about us, um, and, and what we believe about ourselves. And so for me, when I can help a woman kind of get to a more truthful place or a more kingdom minded place about about their body image, it can shift everything because maybe they're carrying guilt or shame that they believe God is frustrated with them or, or disappointed in them, or maybe they're just continually disappointed in themselves. 
Um, so those are the big reasons for me. Number one, just because we do everything in our bodies, everything we do, every spiritual thing we do, every secular thing we do, we do in our bodies, but also because, yeah, it really, it really impacts our worldview about what we think about us, about God, about other people. So good. Thank you. Um, next question is from Kate Grounds of the Defined podcast. Hi, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Hi, Kate. Hi guys, my name is Kate. I'm on staff at a mega church in Lexington, Kentucky, where I get to run our women's podcast and I've gotten to help out with some women's conferences and all that. And I am super passionate about this topic. One, just because a lot of my own personal journey has involved kind of overcoming body shame and learning to see my body in a healthier and holy way. Uh, but two, I am a middle school girls pastor is my full-time role at my church. And so week in, week out, I deal with middle school girls who wrestle with this, even sometimes their moms. And I just, I always think about what would I wish I had known at 16 when I was really going down a bad path? What truth would have set me free? And so I deeply appreciate this book and I've already recommended a lot just because even for you know, middle high school girls, it's, it's truth they need to hear. So thanks for having me. So Kate's first question is what does day-to-day freedom look like in this area of our lives? What are some indicators that we're making positive strides when it comes to how we view and treat our bodies? I love this question because I think that the first thing we should all know is that freedom in its best most worshipful true form looks different on everybody. And um, around here, we say a lot that freedom standardized is legalism. So if I say like, hey, here's what freedom looks like for me, this is what it should look like for you, that would be really dangerous. And 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 then you'd feel like, oh, I have to do that, which is not freedom. And you know, that's like shooting on one another, which is like the opposite of freedom. That being said, I love practically like putting some putting some pillars down that people can look for in their own actual lives. Because if freedom is only in this spiritual nebulous place that we can't perceive it, then we're not going to taste the fruit of it. We're not going to be able to say like, I feel free. I'm living free. Um, So that being said, I would say for me, what freedom looks like in a day to day on a day to day basis is moving my body and nourishing my body and treating my body in general, for the most part in ways that leave me more in awe of God. Um, and again, that's like a pretty spiritual nebulous thing to say, but sometimes when I say the opposite, that helps a little bit. So for me, there are certain ways that other people move their body that actually like would not make me feel worshipful at all. It would make me feel like I was striving or it was, it would make me feel like I was trying to be better or trying to do something, um, trying to be somebody that I'm not. So I can say for me specifically running for the most part, um, spending some portion of my week running is one of those things that leaves me more in awe of God. When I do it, I feel like I'm fighting defeat because I'm five, four and curvy and I'm not supposed to be a runner. And I'm like, ah, take that statement. I'm a good runner. Um, there's that piece of it. And then also I experience God when I'm running and, um, and it just leaves me more in awe of him. Now I have friends that they were like, that would actually be horrible for me. That would be horrific for me. I would not want to do that. Um, but 
same, like what it looks like for me to rest or what I put in my body nourishment wise, all of those things, if they feel like I'm trying to fit somebody else's expectations or somebody else's picture of what healthy or good or whole looks like, I usually don't feel great afterwards. I don't feel nourished. I don't feel like I've loved my body well, but when I do the things that I'm supposed to do, I feel like, Oh, I love God. I love that God made that. Um, a healthy example would be, I actually really love kale. Like I feel like kale gets a bad rap. And when my husband eats kale, he's like, this is disgusting. I don't know why anyone would eat this. I'm like, you should not eat kale. I should, because after I eat it, I'm like, I love God. I love kale. I'm so glad you made that. I also feel the same way about pizza. I'm like, God is so kind that he told somebody bread and cheese and sauce and meat like that. He, he gave something that I did. Thank you, God. That, that feels like giving and worshipful for me. So that being said, that's my overall answer, but it's going to look different for everybody. Um, some everyday tactics that I think are just healthy to kind of just watch and look into would be number one, how we're talking about our bodies. I think in the year of our Lord, 2021, in Jesus name, most of us know that we shouldn't talk negatively about other people's bodies. If anybody listening to the sound of my voice still talks negatively about somebody else's body, you got to stop that. That's gross. Don't do it in the name of Jesus. Stop talking negatively about other people's bodies. I think we were mostly all on the same page about that, but how we talk about our bodies is a whole nother story. And so I think that's a good one to check in on what comes out of your mouth about your own flesh. Um, and I always encourage women, like, look for, look for the non-obvious things. Look for like how you sigh when you're getting dressed or, um, look for like the, the subconscious things that you say you can or can't do in your body. For example, women are always saying, you know, I can't wear that. I can't wear that. And I would say like, why? Who said so? Like who decided that? Why do you, why are you making agreements with that? Who said you can't wear that? Put on the bike shorts in Jesus' name if you want to. Um, I sure am. But uh, yeah, I think look, th- thinking through what we say is a good tactic to, to pay attention to and a good everyday thing to pay attention to. Um, I would also say that um, I'd, I often kind of walk women through all the different things they can detox in their life, but I would say it would be really healthy and wise for all of us to just take a look at what we're looking at. And if we're continually consuming images that are not realistic of women's bodies, that may be something to pay attention to. Um, because the, the flip side of that, the everyday thing we can all kind of check in on that I would just love to invite also anyone who might be hearing the sound of my voice right now too, is to stop using filters or angles that are not realistic because it's lying and it's actually like hurting all the women around you. Um, so, uh, that like, but we, we are so conditioned to do it and we think it's so, we think it's so expected because everybody else is doing it. So it's just one small thing we can do. Like, and again, people post pictures of themselves all the time. This is just one small way that we can fight this scheme of the enemy really against the women of God. That was a long answer. You guys can take that audio clip. You can take that audio clip of me saying that was a long answer and just put it after every other answer. Like you can just just (laughs) also feel free. Anytime I say like, yeah, that's good. You can just cut that and put it after anything you say. Put it anywhere. You could say anything. All right. Our next question is coming from Emma from the water with lemon podcast. Emma, if you want to introduce yourself. 
Yes. Um, yeah, I'm from the Water with Lemon podcast and I started it a couple years ago feeling like there wasn't a lot out there for ladies in their 20s. Um, like I, I love listening to podcasts like you're talking about, Jess. I'm listening to Mars Hill too, but different podcasts I was hearing like would gear a lot towards moms and older women. And I was like, this is great. Like tucking these nuggets away for later, or you know, just we'll have a foundation, but didn't feel like there was a lot for this time of life that's like just there's so much change in your 20s. And so as a 20-something started it. I bring on like older, wiser women to kind of speak into us. And so, and I live in Dallas and I'm a teacher by day. So I kicked, I left my third graders with this uh, this afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, live here with my cat. I love that. I have a third grader and I also have my newest. Yes, I do. I have a third grader. He's my youngest. And my newest strategy for my third grader, you can all judge me, every single one of you right now, is that I walk him to school every morning and he is a self-proclaimed Enneagram seven. He is so talkative. He wakes up talking and he goes to sleep talking. And so we walk to school together every morning. And most days I like hearing about his life. I really do. But some days it's a lot at 650 in the morning. And so I've started having him FaceTime my dad who lives out of the country every morning on the walk and it's the best. And so they catch <laughs> up and I'm like, I just get to think. So I, third graders are not a joke. That's so good. That's, yeah. That's you let, talk. let me know if you need help with third grade. It's pretty tough. It's <laughs> <laughs> where the serious um, business happens. Okay. Anna, I'm sorry. Okay. And the first question is you talk a lot in your book about the fact that our bodies are already made good. How can we keep from thinking or believing that there is work to be done on our bodies before they can be marked as good? Yeah. Good question. I think the real kicker to this kind of project-based mentality or even a striving to make our bodies good or make them better mentality, really it starts, it kind of starts and ends with breaking ties with agreement with this idea. Um, And so a lot of times, this is why I love our minds and, and I just love in general women and getting to talk to them because a lot of times for me, it looks like getting with another woman and saying like, hey, let's talk about it. Let's like you and me, let's, let's go after it. Where, where's this whole thing going? Like, do we want to end? I personally have talked to God about when I'm going to die and I've asked him for 94. I'd like to be 94 when I die. I've told him a day. We'll see if he says yes. You know what I'm saying? But I've asked him for around October of the year I turned 94. And um, so here's a question I think, do I want to get to 94 and have had like a hot tight bod and made a bunch of people happy with my appearance? Like, is that the goal? Is that the goal? And when I really start to think with the end in mind, whether it's 94 or 44, I start to realize like, no, this is just not the object of my life. So then I have to go back to the beginning and say like, so what is, what is the purpose of my life? What is, what, what is the goal here? And, and for me, where I've landed is I want my days to be wrung out for the glory of God. And I'm much I'm much more empowered and equipped to do that when I start with the belief that he's already called me good. I'm I'm just much more able to do that. And so 
this is like, this is such a talky answer, but I feel like talking is where so much of the healing is for us. And I think because our default mode is just to go forward in what we've been told and what we've been invited into truly in culture, what we've been born into, the default mode is just to move forward in it. And, um, and absolutely, if you just wake up and go about your day, and you don't think about it, you will hear from a million different sources. The goal is to make your body good, better. The goal is to like treat yourself like a project. The goal is to blah, blah, blah. Um, and, but all, I find all it takes sometimes is just shaking our head and saying like, hold on one second. Is that the goal? Like I didn't, I didn't consent. I don't want to consent to that. I actually don't want to live under that anymore. And as soon as we start to say real words about it, I'm not saying that that's all the work. Sometimes it takes a lot of unlearning. Sometimes it takes a lot of help to change behaviors. Sometimes it takes professional help, but I feel like that's really like, that's the start of it. And, um, and for so many of us, that's where that move comes is just saying like, I just, I actually think that's a lie and I'm going to break ties with that agreement. And I'm actually going to call it like gross and horrific and the objectification of women. And then all of a sudden, I don't want to play with that anymore. (laughs) I just don't even want to mess with it, much less come under it. Um, So that's what that's where it starts for me. Um, Our next question is going to come from Caitlin Elliott of So What Else? Caitlin, if you want to come on and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Thanks so much for having me. So yeah, I'm the host of the So What Else podcast, which basically is a podcast where people just come on and share their stories because I believe that stories are really powerful and it helps people to feel seen and encouraged and loved. And so when I was several episodes in, I felt convicted to share my own story. And so I shared about my story of recovering from an eating disorder. And we had a really, really big response to that. And so I followed it up with an interview with an intuitive eating dietitian and then with a body image counselor. And so when I got my hands on your book, obviously I was like, we need this. Like, this is what we need. So, uh, you know, the people who listen really, really like eat this stuff up. And I know that like women are desperate for like this message. So I'm really excited about this. So good. Caitlin, I have to ask you, um, have you read the book, the coaching habit by any chance? No, I have to write that down. The coaching habit, the coaching habit. It's one of Anna and I's favorite books. Um, and they say in that, that the, the most important question is, and what else? It's like the number one question. Yeah. So I love, I love, I love that. that question. Yeah. It's a, it's I a love great book. And I, that's genuinely one of my favorite questions ever. Like, and what else? And what else? That's so how good. I, cause it's, I, that we came up with that name because I never let there be like any kind of awkward silence in a, in a conversation, you know, people will just be talking. I'm like, so what else? Like, give me more. What else is there? Cause I genuinely want to know. I feel like people's yeah. stories are really interesting. So yeah. So good. I love it. Thanks. Love that. All right. So that question is, I heard you share in a previous interview and also in the book intro that you purposely left details out of the book that could be triggering to other women. As someone who is in recovery from an eating disorder, I can't thank you enough for that. Can you Mm -hmm. expand upon that decision a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I, um, I, my, my, I think is, is probably typical. Um, nobody's story is the same, but I think for me, what happened is that I experienced body shame from an early age, but I didn't, I didn't begin entertaining ideas of disordered, any disordered behavior, eating or patterns or rhythms 
for me until I knew someone who did. And um, truly my, uh, my earliest exposure to disordered eating was at a Bible study where someone was confessing that they struggled with disordered eating and they were talking about it. And I ended up walking with that friend for a few years and hearing more of her story and praying for her. And um, the, the truest story for me is I was, I was a freshman in college and I was really struggling with body shame. And I reached out to that friend and I said, Hey, tell me more about, tell me more about what you did. I actually, um, just asked her basically for advice to start disordered behavior. Um, and the knowledge of how she did it and the knowledge that it was, I think even to some degree, the knowledge that it held so much power in my mind made it seem effective, which is so sad, but true. Um, and I just, I couldn't, I could not, stand the idea that if I put any of my story, any of the particulars, or even, um, even, even the genres, like I didn't even necessarily share in the book, like the genres of disordered behavior that I, that I struggled with. Um, I just couldn't handle the idea that potentially someone would use it as a, as a tool to begin those behaviors. And, and because I wanted to minimize their power. Um, I wanted, I wanted to, in general, my ethos as a human is that I want to talk more about the solution than I talk about the problem. Um, and I had to talk so much about the problem and body shame and bring free body shame that I didn't want to, to talk about the actual particulars. But that being said, there's a few other reasons. Um, I think that, I think that body shame is really dangerous to our souls and to our bodies, whether or not we've engaged in any recognize disordered patterns or not. Um, and I, th I think it's, I, th I just think it's dangerous in general. Um, and so I didn't want to even make different people feel qualified or, or like th these people are really struggling, but these people really aren't like it's any, anyone who is entertaining an idea that their body is not good is in a dangerous place. They're in a perilous place and they're, and they're being harassed by a culture and by a lie that's not true. And so I want to serve them no matter what, no matter where they're at on that journey. Um, and then lastly, I kind of just wanted to, and this is also partially why I didn't just share my story, but I, I included other testimonies of other women in the book, but I kind of knew from the beginning that some people might say that some people might want to disqualify my perspective on it um, because, because of my story, because of the things I've struggled with, because some people might say I've struggled way too much and I should never, should nobody should ever listen to me about this. And some people might say she hasn't struggled enough. She doesn't even know you know, she doesn't know. And so I just thought, let's just don't even entertain it because also I'm not, I don't, my goal is never to be the expert to just kind of share, like, this is what God showed me. I think all women need to, need to speak up and share to some degree. Not, not all women have to share publicly because that wouldn't be healthy, but, um, I do believe revelation says the, the enemy is defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so I want as many women as possible to be able to get into that testimony mindset. But so, yeah, I would say those being the three reasons. Number one, I didn't want to equip anyone with tools to engage in disordered behavior. Number two, I didn't want to disqualify anyone from the message because it's dangerous for everybody. And number three, I didn't want anyone to like want to listen to me or not want to listen to me um, or consider me an expert or put me on any kind of pedestal or, or say that I, I didn't have 
um, just some capacity to talk about it based on my own story. All right, the next question we have is from Melissa Clark from Thrive Mental Health and the Art of Living Free. Her question is, how does body shame and negatively naming our bodies impact our mental health? How does body shame impact our mental health? Um, How does it? Loaded question there. Yes, (laughs) I would say, how doesn't body shame impact our mental health? Um, for me, there is no area of my life (laughs) where I felt like I could turn off body shame spiritually. It impacted how I saw God. It impacted how I thought God saw me. Every relationship I had, it impacted whether or not I felt worthy to be in it. Um, it impacted whether or not I felt like I had to perform or whether or not I was meeting expectations, when I was alone, if it was just me alone, if if God, you know, if I wasn't like thinking about God and I wasn't thinking about people, body shame followed me to myself, (laughs) Um, just in regards to shame and guilt and frustration. And so, um, unfortunately I feel like for most of us, body shame has become the low lying mental hum behind our mental health issues. Um, it's, it's, it's wrapped up in our anxiety. It's wrapped up in our despair. It's wrapped up in our fear. Um, it's wrapped up in our insecurity. It's wrapped up in our struggles with comparison. Um, it's wrapped up in our fear of, of using our God-given gifts. Um, I find it in all of those areas. Now, the, the great news about that is that breaking free from body shame will massively impact your mental health in all of those areas. Um, and it may take time and it may take help and it may take a ton of strategies. Um, but I do believe that it's possible. And so that, that means really, really good things for our mental health. Um, because victory is possible and healing and hope is possible in those areas. So yeah, I would say it impacts every area of our mental health because it's us. It's who we are. Um, how we view our bodies is us. It, it, I, I think we wish that we could, I think we wish that this disjointed perspective of our bodies was true, that we could just like take it out of our mind and put it over there but it's, it's our very flesh. It's our, it's our home. It's where we live on earth. And so it's really wrapped up in so, so many things. Thanks, Jess. Um, our next question is coming from Lauren Snyder. Happy to be here. Yeah. So the Rooted and Established podcast, um, it is about growing our roots deeper in Christ. And, um, really the, the premise behind it is to help women, um, regardless of their circumstances, their roles, uh, the, the ideas, wherever they are planted, they can grow and thrive when they're rooted in Christ. So that is my goal. We bring on, bring on guests and some, you know, solo episodes of just how to grow our roots deeper and grow our faith in every area of our lives. And, you know, our faith touches everything. So how can we, um, really just continue to grow our faith and become stronger. Um, and I feel like, like you just said, body shame and body image, you know, impacts so many, so many things, including our faith. And so I'm excited to be here. 
Awesome. Um, so that first question is how have you navigated improving and investing in your health while also being grateful for your body as it is now? So I've taught myself to do this little trick that, um, doesn't always apply. It's not, it's not a rule, but it, it tends to be a pretty helpful tool. Anytime I hear the word balance, I ask myself, is this something that needs to be balanced? Um, is this something, so for example, if somebody would say, how do you balance grace and truth? How do you, you know, how do you balance being gracious and merciful and also telling people the truth? Like I have, I ask myself, like, why do we have to balance those things? Why can we not be just like Jesus? And well, there's a lot of reasons we can't be just like Jesus, but why can we not follow in Jesus's example and be full of grace and full of truth and love both of those things? Or when people say, how do you balance being a a mom and a woman on mission? I ask myself, like, did God ask me to balance these things? Or am I a mom and also a woman on mission? And I get to be both of those things. Um, And so I would say similarly with this question, I think like even just kind of, if we took health all the way out of it, if we took health and bodies all the way out of it, I think that we've been conditioned to think that anytime we're grateful for something that we can't be moving forward, that we have to really like pick one or the other, that we have to pick gratitude and contentment or passion and movement. Um, and, and from my perspective, I've realized that I cannot do one or the other. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'm like a, maybe I'm just, it's my personality, but I'm I'm like, I don't want to choose. I want kale and pizza. Uh, I want them both actually. (laughs) Usually you guys, Anna, I think we've talked about this before, but I used to have a food blog called from pizza to quinoa because I love both of those things so much. I want, I love pizza and I love quinoa. Um, that being said, I don't think that we ever stop being grateful for our bodies. I think that if something tragic happened and I was a quadriplegic, I would want to wake up the next day and say like, God, I don't really understand this. Thank you for my body. Thank you for my body. Thank you for this place that I get to experience you. You know, this is hard, but thank you. I'm grateful that you've given me this. Um, And at the same time, every day for the rest of my life, I want to, I want to treat my body like it's already good. And so for me in this season, I have an autoimmune disease. I'm in the thick of a flare up. That means to treat my body like it's good. It takes a lot of intention. It takes a lot of work. It takes reminders on my phone to take different pills. It means moving it. It means resting it. It means watering it. Like it's the fussiest fiddle leaf fig you've ever met in your whole life. Um, but I don't ever really have to stop being grateful that God made it. And I don't ever have to stop being grateful for the freedom he's given me in it. And, and what's more that actually that gratitude and coming from that perspective of mercy and grace compels me so much more than striving or wanting to make it better. I'm actually, it's the gratitude that compels me to treat it well. And it's the, it's the gratitude that compels me to want to even like dig in and press in when it gets a little bit harder to take care of my body. All right. Our next question is coming from Karen Wondercheck from Hanging On to Hope. Karen, if you want to come on and introduce yourself. Okay, great. Our podcast is called Hanging On to Hope. Um, Brenda and I both were in abusive marriages 20 plus years. So we 
talk about healing from abuse. We, we interview experts. We've been wanting to talk about body image because that's such a big part. If you've been in a destructive relationship that, you know, it comes along with the territory, but I had body image issues before I was even in a destructive, you know, relationship. I think you're, you're just born, born in this culture and it's easy to have that, you know, cause we're being bombarded with, like you were saying, unrealistic images. So, so that's, that's, that's it. That's our podcast. Yeah. Thanks for being here today, guys. Um, so the question they submitted is, uh, since we have read your book and talked to people about our bodies being good, a temple of the Holy Spirit and not an object, even Christians seem confused as if the idea of body image is foreign to them or body shame is foreign to them. Is this the way it's got to be? And do you have any suggestions to combat this resistance? Do we not want to talk about body image as Christians? <laughs> I have a few theories and I feel like talking about why we're so resistant might help us figure out how to do it well. So one reason, I'll give you one bad reason and one good reason that I think Christians are really hesitant to talk about body image. The bad reason is that I think that we're very fearful of freedom that we can't standardize. And I think that unfortunately, or, and fortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, culture outside of the church and outside of Christian community has been a lot better at talking about bodies than we have. And because of that, they've put a very secular spin on it. And they've, um, like, they've brought a a very worldly worldview as they would, as they should, um, to the body image conversation. Um, and so it's become less about glorifying God and more about glorifying bodies. Um, and so I think that for a lot of us, for a lot of believers, we're uncomfortable with that. It doesn't sit right. You know, like I personally, I can get down with somebody talking about hot girl summer. Um, I get it. I get the heart of it, but like for a lot of believers that makes them uncomfortable. They're like, wait, hold on. Are we, are we glorifying? Are we objectifying women? Are we, are we sexualizing? Are we doing? And, and so I get that. Um, now, so that being said, I think, I think the bad reason is we're just fearful. We don't know how to, we don't know how to enter in. We don't know how to catch up now that we're late to the game. Um, I think in a really unhealthy way as believers, we're very, um, we're fearful about what people will do when they feel free in their bodies, which we absolutely should not be fearful of because true godly kingdom freedom honors God and it considers holiness. Um, and, um, it submits to his authority. And so I don't think we need to be scared of talking about freedom, but I, but I do understand that we are, the fears there It just is. So there's number one, I, I would say like one B, like there's a second smaller reason also why I believe uh, we're scared to talk about body image in Christian culture, why we even deny that it exists is because we just don't believe, I don't think we believe God can heal it. And so we're scared to talk about it. If we don't, if we don't feel like we have an answer, we don't feel like we can talk about it. If we don't, if, or if we don't trust him, if we don't trust his word enough, but I, but it's not hard. I mean, I, I feel like I've been there and back and I've watched God heal enough women in their, in their body image to say like, we don't need to be scared of this. He's good. He's strong. He cares. His truth is there. 
he purchased our freedom on the cross of Christ. Like it's, it's possible. So we don't need to be scared of it. We don't need to deny it. We don't need to like shush people when they're telling us they're really struggling. And I'll, and I'll pause there to say denying it is a problem is not working. 97% of women say they struggle with body image issues. Um, eating disorder related deaths are the number one cause of mental health death deaths for women in the United States. It is the number one um, mental health death cause. Like it's not working to pretend like it doesn't exist. Um, and, and women are just hurting and they're just sitting in churches saying like, who will talk about this? Who will tell me truth about this? Um, and, and while no one's speaking truth and life over them, they're picking up messages along the way that are not good from, from Christian leaders and from church leaders, um, subtle, unspoken, um, or maybe even overtly spoken negative messages. We've got to talk about it. The good reason, because I, the good reason why I think we don't talk about it, um, is because I, I think it's like, and I, I say good with air quotes, like, I think it's rooted in some some politeness maybe, or like some like gentleness and not, not wanting to hurt people or being scared of handling it wrong. Um, but I don't think that that, I don't think that even that good reason is serving us anymore. So that being said, how, so how do we fight those things? Um, unfortunately, one of the, unfortunately, one of the best ways I've seen to fight this ignorance or this, um, denial of this issue is just to talk about it myself and to say like, okay, well, I'll, I'll say for me, like I'll say for me, I was a believer who loved God and was living on mission and was reading my Bible every day and massively struggling with body shame. I'll, I'll just talk about me. And I, I can tell you, like, I was hearing from God. I was spending time with God. Um, some of them for me, my darkest seasons of body shame have been when I have been just in really vibrant and, and healthy seasons of walking with God. Um, and I believe that's because I have a crafty and cunning enemy of my soul who, who wants me to live in defeat and despair. Um, so I think that's one of the best ways we can combat it. I'll tell you another really cool way that is not unfortunate that I think that we can really serve people is by talking about how it could be better. I I'm a big believer in pitching vision. And so a lot of times if somebody's trying to tell me like, is body shame really that big of an issue? I'll paint them a picture of what it could look like. Um, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now, 60 years from now and say like, can you imagine if, um, X, Y, and Z. Can you imagine if it was like this? Wouldn't it be crazy if our daughters or our granddaughters or our sons didn't feel like X, Y, and Z? Can you imagine if that was, if this was different for them? Um, and sometimes I think talking about what could be is also really helpful in helping people see like, that's what I want. I want that. I want that. Even if it costs me a little bit, um, I want that now. So yeah, but but we got to talk about it. And I, and I think, thankfully, I really do believe that, um, like the lid is off. Like it's, we're not going back in now. We're not, this conversation is not going away now. Um, so that's good news. And the end of that actually kind of tied into our next question. It is from Joy Summers with Afternoons with Joy. Where do you start when it comes to talking to your kids about body shame? I'm working to rid myself from body shame and set an example, but how do you actively put good habits into your children? 
Such a good question. How do we start with our kids talking about body shame? Um, I find that so many women are like, ah, what do I do? I messed it up. Um, I talk negatively about my body all the time. And to that, I say, great news. That's actually, that's not great news. And I'm sorry for you. And I'm sorry that you've, you've struggled in the past, but the great news is that when a mother or any woman in any community anywhere changes her mind about something and lets people see her repent and change, um, repent sounds like a big, scary Bible word, but that, by that, I just mean, change your mind and change your behavior. Um, when any woman does that and she lets people watch her, the world changes. Um, and so your kids are going to have this very beautiful, wild, unique perspective of saying like, my mom used to talk about her body this one way, but then something happened. And all of a sudden my mom loved her body and she like moved with confidence and she got dressed like she was just everything. And I loved it. it was I don't know what happened. I don't know. I was like three or four or something, you know, it's like just such a cool story. Um, that is possible. So I'll say number one, that's really good. So the number one way that we can start by talking to our kids about body shame is drum roll. Don't talk negatively about your body in front of your kids and actually bless your body in front of your kids. Um, let them see you, let them hear you, let them behold you living blessed in your body. Um, and by this, I mean, um, let them see you move without defeat. Let them see you eat without restraint. Let them see you live in your body. Let them see you rest. Um, I realized a few years ago that my kids like never saw me rest. They never saw me sit down. We had a, we had a, we had a sofa that I sat on like twice and, um, it was a little uncomfortable and that's partially why. But then I realized like, I want my kids to remember me resting. I want them to see me sitting. I want them to normalize that I can do all of these things that I can, I can move my body without despair and without defeat. And I can eat without restraint and without shame. And I can also rest without, um, feeling any kind of way about it. So that's one of the best ways, but then I would also say moving forward from that, I think a really healthy thing we can do is pay attention to what our kids are saying and pay attention to how, how they're moving and how they're seeming in their bodies and just ask them, um, Hey, how do you feel about your body? Um, that might sound like very feely and whatever, but I, I would say it's a question that kids would probably love to like think on. And you might be surprised that they're not, that they're not as normalized as we are to think that that's strange. Um, they're not as, um, they're not as programmed to some degree to, to not want to be vulnerable about their bodies. Um, so they might just tell you how they're feeling about their bodies. Um, and then lastly, I would say bless their bodies, um, speak life over their bodies, be really cautious. We can be really cautious about not using, uh, cultural aesthetic labels on them. Like, you know, words we, we call in our house, the F word is F A T. Um, and there are a lot of people that have, that have accepted that word as, as really healthy and they want to redeem it. And I, and I bless them for that. For me, for my kids, it's not, it's not, it's not a word I want them using in regards to their bodies, in regards to for sure anybody else's bodies, but same, we don't say S K I N N Y either in regards to our bodies. Um, just because that those words hold a lot of emotion for a lot of people. Um, and they hold a lot of shame for words. So we, we just try to watch those words. Um, so I try to speak life about their bodies and bless their bodies, praise them for praise them for just who they are as they are and not for how they perform. Um, and specifically for not how they meet cultural expectations of beauty. Um, since we don't, 
live under those. Um, so yeah, those are the big ones, but really, truly what they see you do and how they see you even change. I would say my kids have massively seen a different mom since the time they were two and three now till they're 12, 13, 14. Um, and I'm so glad that they, they got to see that transformation. I hope you loved my conversation with Jess and that you were encouraged and inspired by her words about body shame. I hope you guys have an awesome week and see you next time.